you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Oh, come on, give the Lord a shout of praise in the house tonight. When the doctors shake their head and say it's impossible, we have a name that we can call on. In the wee hours of the morning, when nobody knows what you're going through, something happens. When you call on His name, side when the enemy rose up against me I would have stumbled and failed but something happened when you call his name somebody shout his name come on shout his name again What is happening in this room is the Holy Ghost has just swept in. And no telling what God is going to do before we leave here tonight. I don't want to make a big ado. We love and appreciate the Mitchells so very much. We're honored to have them with us. Would you put your hands together and welcome our friend, Evangelist Marvin Mitchell. We love you. This is the day that the Lord hath made. And does anybody besides me feel like worshiping and rejoicing and being glad in it? For this is the day that the Lord hath made. He hath purposed. And he has poured out his spirit in this place already with a great thanksgiving. Would you put your hands together and thank God. For all that he's already done. Come on, lift your voice. Thank the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, this, this came to my mind as we were worshiping just a moment ago. A lot of times we, uh, we're waiting on God to do something incredible. And we're waiting on God to perform a miracle. We're waiting on an outpouring of His Spirit, new and fresh. But we're waiting on a God who's never been late. So what is it 
that stands between a God who never, ever showed up late for us? What could it be that stands between signs, wonders, outpouring, miraculous, supernatural, saving power of the Holy Ghost? And could it be that I'm in a room tonight with brothers and sisters that will join with me in faith, like precious faith, to say, I have come here tonight to get everything that God has already prepared for me. And whatever it might be, whatever hindrance, whatever obstacle, whatever is causing God to be delayed, I know it's not Him. So if I could get ready, does somebody hear me tonight? And I could prepare the vessel. What could happen in this place? God has already started stirring up the Spirit of the Lord in this place tonight. What would happen if we prepared ourselves so that when we leave here tonight, we have new and fresh anointing from the tops of our head to the soles of our feet. Every ounce of our being is overwhelmed and oversaturated and overflowing with the Spirit of God, with a great expectation and in a presence and power of God who is already here, would you lift up your voice and say to God, Lord, I'm getting ready so that you can pour out all that is already in your hand. Lord, do a work in my life right now. And with great expectation, I want you to thank God in advance for what he started in this service. God performed some miracles this morning, but I don't believe God is finished. Is there anybody in this house that believes that God is not done with the work he wants to do in you? Is there anybody here tonight that came in saying, God, complete in me? Oh, God, somebody shout hallelujah. He's never been late. And could it be that God that I'm waiting on is waiting on me? Could it be that God that you've been praying to and you've been holding your breath and you've been seeking after, could it be that God's looking down to you tonight saying, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Church, touch somebody and say, are you ready? Because you better get ready. You better get ready. Oh, God, I'm going to jump right into the Word tonight without a lot of preliminaries. Let me say I love this church, love this pastoral team and family, and I thank you for the incredible hospitality. But I have a very specific word that God directed me toward this afternoon, 2 Corinthians 4, beginning to read with verse 6. I am not going to preach a long time, so don't get too comfortable. Because I'm going to preach until God takes over. And I'm going to get out of the way. Because I'm not going to compete with God. That's the mantra for tonight. No competition for God. 4 and 6 of 2 Corinthians 4, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of the name Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but what we have this treasure, this glory, this name, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I want to preach for just a few moments on this subject tonight. The miracle needs a vessel. The miracle needs a prepared and ready vessel. God has healed, He has guided, He has directed, we have celebrated. The single greatest miracle in the biblical text is the healing of your soul by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
as you begin as a church this season of spiritual renewal and restoration of prayer and fasting, tonight is going to be a night where we become prepared to allow God to fulfill in us all that he has possessed in his hand for us. With that attitude and with great faith, lift your hands all across this place right now. God, help us in your word tonight to be ready for new and fresh anointing. God, we pray for double portion. We pray for outpouring. God, prepare us for the outpouring that you have spoken to be poured out upon your people. Allow us to see, God, what you're doing in the midst of this place right now. I feel your presence here. I know, God, you have made this day. You have purposed this day. Every person that's here under the sound of my voice and in the midst of your, pur- your presence is here for such a time as this. God, get us ready. God, get us ready. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving. God, prepare us. Am I asking for things that I'm not ready for? God, get us ready here tonight. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Touch your neighbor and say, the miracle needs a vessel. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are chosen in Christ as sons of God. And it even says that we were chosen in this selective adoption long before the foundation of the world. Can I share with you tonight that God has been preparing miraculous, supernatural things for your life for a really long time. He had your name selected. He had, he had the, the, the restoration of life and the redeeming of life selected for you long before you ever came to be on this earth. He knew, he saw, he has perceived the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit and saw what it would do in your life as you go out from a church and you shine a light in the midst of darkness. The prerogative of our selection is not ours. But it is of God. It is His. We didn't do anything to qualify. We could not qualify. We didn't do anything to deserve Him to choose us. But He calls us sons and daughters regardless. He calls us His own. God chose you out of His mercy and out of His love. He chose you because He desires more than anything for you to be with Him, for you to be His bride and He your groom, for you to celebrate in matrimony for an eternity. He loves you even when we didn't love Him. He loved you even when we didn't choose Him at times. He chose you before you ever knew Him and felt His presence and saw the revelation of His great name. He knew your name. He knew who you were. And he loved you. And who is a man to question God's choice? Who are we to doubt God's selection? Who are we to hinder his call or doubt what he has called us to do to be? God has a plan and God has a process. Like Job said in a very rhetorical manner in 36 and 22, Behold, God is exalted by his power, who teaches like him, who has assigned him his way, or who has said, you have done wrong. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to call God out. I'm not going to question what he said he would do and what he saw you become. I'm not going to doubt that God said I've got miraculous, supernatural, new and fresh anointing for you on this Sunday in 2020. If God said it to be true, it must be true. Who am I to doubt in God Almighty? Not only is God never wrong, God never does anything without a purpose. Romans 9 and 23 states that he might make known the riches 
of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called. He chose us to show forth his glory. That tells me that what God has prepared for us, it must be great because something average wouldn't bring glory to God. Only something great would bring glory to a great God. No small miracle brings glory to a great God, but a great mighty miracle, a supernatural work, that would bring glory to my God. Acts 9 and 15, but the Lord said, referring to Paul, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. You can only call something mine if there's ownership, if there was something bought with a price, something that's been spoken for, and you can only bear the name of the Lord as the Bible and the Gospels reveals to us. When you are baptized in the name above every name, that's when the name is bared upon your soul. Let me preach to you for a moment. If you've never been baptized in the wonderful, saving, remitting, redeeming name of Jesus, you are missing out. Because there's nothing like coming out washed, sanctified, prepared, willing, and an able vessel for the Holy Spirit to prepare a great work in you. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, would you just shout, thank you, Lord, for washing me. Thank you, Lord, for removing all of yesterday. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13, he says, I chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Verse 14, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So with all this glory coming down that we talked about this morning, coming down upon us. With the glory, anybody feel the glory, the Shekinah glory? I mean, this roof opened up for just a moment and the glory of God descended upon us. With all the glory coming upon us and his anointed word coming forth before us and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit all around us, what, then I ask, can hinder us from experiencing the greatest miracles, the greatest signs, the greatest wonders the greatest season of supernatural experiences we have ever seen as a church. What then could hinder that from happening if all the signs from God and all the word from God and all the presence and power of God confirms that it's right there? It's right there. It's available. What then could get in the way of us coming out of this time of prayer and fasting and walking into the holy of holies and seeing things we've never seen before, experiencing things we've never experienced before, going out into this world and into this culture and into this season and showing this world what true light looks like. What I ask you could slow that down. Do we have everything we need? We're in the right place. You're in the right place tonight if you believe that, say amen. You're with godly people in this great church on a Sunday evening. What else is God asking of me in order to experience the fullness of his glory? I saw a really funny ad. Uh, it was actually a movie, a little clip somebody took. I think it was a hidden camera kind of thing. And this, this lady, she's real pompous, real snob. And this really nice guy was in the drive-thru, and I think she was a regular that come through and just was very demanding. Anybody ever met somebody that was really just demanding and not kind, not appreciative? Take care of waiters and waitresses. Sorry, I'm putting my pastor hat on, but if you can't afford to tip them well, don't go out to eat. I'll get back in my lane here. But this lady, this... This guy's just probably making eight fifty nine bucks an hour trying to work hard. And this lady came through and she said, I want some water. And she said it really snarky. And the funny video, you see the guy, he just kind of, you ever just reached your limit? You know, where you have an out-of-body experience? He had an out-of-body experience. And she asked for some water. And 
I know she expected to be handed a nice cold glass of ice water. And he just took the water, he looked at it, and he went right through her car window and just soaked her. Nice. I mean, she had it coming. That's baptism for you right there. She didn't clarify that she wanted a cup of water. She said, give me some water. So he gave her some water. We've got to realize that you need a cup to move the water. You need something to move what was poured out from one place to another, from one person to another, from inside the four walls of the church to out in a community and a workplace and a school. God is calling us to move. This is a move of God. Why are we waiting on a move of God? He called us to be a move of God. This city needs you to be a move of God, to be a cup that carries the spirit of the Most High to people who will never know Jesus unless they see him through you. I wish somebody would find it in yourself tonight to say, I am ready to be that vessel that takes in the Holy Spirit but doesn't keep it for myself. You weren't just saved to save your own skin. You were saved to save a lost and dying world. To go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Somebody shout, it's time for me to move with the Spirit of God. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Second Kings 4 and 1 says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my boys to be slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? That's what we do as pastors sometimes. When somebody makes a request, we just look at you and go, What shall I do for you? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go. Somebody shout go. Borrow vessels from everywhere. Go. Borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. This revival, oh God help me tonight, is not just going to be for the few. It is going to be for the many. But we have an ordained call to go. Gather the vessels, empty, starving, hungry, hurting vessels that are dying to have just a drop of what we felt here tonight. I wish somebody would lift your hands right now and let the Lord know, God, I hear you calling me to go. Lord, we as a church, let me see the hungry and the hurting. Go to the byways, the highways, the lost. We've got to go. Somebody say to your neighbor, you got to go. You may be seated. Go borrow the vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into those vessels and set aside the full ones. What God wants to do in this church in 2020, church, it's not about who's in the church. He's here to seek and save the, not cater to the found. When you come into this place, it's not just about you. It's about the vessels coming in here that want what you already have. 
Oh, God, help us to get outside of ourselves and go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Shake us, Lord, tonight. So she went from him and she shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. She poured it out. She poured it out. She didn't have much, but what she had, she gave. She poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. The, the oil's not running out. I don't know how. I don't know why, but the oil's not running out. Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. When we get so inward, the oil will cease. But if we can go out from the place of comfortability, of selfish spirituality, and to the commission, to the field, the oil will never cease to be poured out in our lives because we were called to be vessels, not containers, to be vessels that the oil would pour and pour and pour and pour. I never want to look at God and say, there's not another vessel because God's going to look at me and say, I see a lot of them. I see a lot of the hurting. I see a lot of the hungry. I see a lot of the desperate. I hear their cries. I feel their tears. I hear their prayers in the midnight hour. What are you looking at? Because what I'm looking at is a big field. Of the hurting. Every hand lifted across this place right now in complete surrender to the Word of God. God, oh, oh God, in this hour and in this day, stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. Take the lids off of us as vessels. Crack us open if you must. Break us if you have to because the oil can't stay inside the vessels. It has to pour out. Lay your hand on somebody next to you right now. I want you to pray in the Spirit. I want you to pray in the Spirit. That may be a word of faith. That may be praying in tongues. I want you to let the Spirit lead you right now to pray as a vessel. If we can't do it in church, how are we ever going to do it in the field? If we can't let the Spirit of the Lord lead us in here, we can't afford in this last day for the oil to ever cease oh God Jesus you may be seated the echoes of this miracle story continue to resonate into the New Testament church through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into this church. Because the miracle of His Spirit is fully dependent upon God having available vessels. So many times we ask God, where's my miracle? What about some new and fresh anointing? But God is not the hindrance. He said, I poured out my spirit upon all flesh. He's already done all that we need him to do. 
But I want new and fresh anointing. It's available. It was all around us in this worship service. It was all around us in that prayer meeting. When I drove up, I saw a group of people. I think the choir were praying together. It was available. He's poured it out. What is the hindrance? Too often God cannot find a vessel that is ready for this miracle. In this story, the woman's husband had died and left a debt she couldn't pay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Spiritually, financially, physically, you ever had a debt you couldn't pay? The creditors were coming in. That culture, when you couldn't pay a debt, they enslaved your children. And the next generation had to pay your debt. Oh, husbands, fathers, mothers, don't let your kids... Carry a debt they didn't incur. I rebuke every single generational curse that hinders a move of God in our families. Every single one. Because it's stopping the flow, the blessing from fathers to sons, from mothers to daughters. The spirit should go into you, dad. Should go into you, mom. Should go into you, head of household. Should go into you, grandma and grandpa. And it should flow through the generations. You may not be a pastor, but you've got the greatest congregation sitting two doors down from you in a bedroom that are seeking your leadership. They're seeking your example. How is a child supposed to know how the love of God could flow, how the Spirit of God could flow unless they see it in mom and dad? Jesus. They were going to take her sons to pay her debt. And the Spirit of this world, hear me, is knocking on the door of the church and the next generations will be taken if we fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters the family of God do not make room and prepare for the miracle if vessels are not available for the oil the oil will it'll cease if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit we're going to be filled with everything else there is a void in this life, how many know what I'm talking about? How many have tried to fill it with all kinds of other things and realize there's only one solution? There's only one quench to my thirst. There's only one thing that satisfies this hunger. But if we don't fill the vessel, the world will fill the vessel. The prophet asked the woman, What? Do you have in the house for God to use? What do you have tonight on this January wet, cold, and nasty Sunday night? Situations, scenarios, things are not ideal all the time. They certainly weren't for her. But he said, what do you have for God to use? Look at your neighbor and say, what do you got? To use what in the house today can be used for the outpouring of his spirit. What we bring to God is either facilitating the outpouring of the oil or it is hindering the outpouring of the oil. You, everybody say me, you determine the magnitude of the miraculous power of the Holy Ghost in your life. We get this confused sometimes, and we, we look at the source. We look at God. We say, God, the Spirit flows from you into me. And God's saying, I've got unlimited power, unlimited source, unlimited Spirit. So that means if there's a limitation on the magnitude of the Spirit work in my life, it's all up to me. I can't look at anybody else. I can't blame anybody else. It's all up to me. If I bring small capacity, the miracle will be small. If you bring great capacity, the miracle will be great. 
because the source is unlimited and the flow will not stop until the vessel is unavailable because there are no limits to what God can do through a united and available vessel of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Too often we come to God asking him to do something great in our lives and God is just saying, just give me a chance. Just give me a prepared vessel. Just give me a moment of faith. Just give me an obedient soul to an available altar. The more we will give God of the vessel, the more God will give you of his oil. If we open up every area of our life, even the teensy-weensy hidden corners, even the little things we brush under the rug, if we say, oh, take it all, take it all, all of me for all of you. God will supply the oil, the anointing of his Holy Spirit. But this miracle, the greatest of all miracles, is looking for vessels tonight. Touch your neighbor and say the miracle is looking for you to be a vessel. But there's two important qualifications for God to give us new and fresh anointing. Unlimited flow of his spirit tonight. The vessel must be empty. Everybody say empty. And the vessel must be clean. Everybody say clean. Empty and clean are prerequisites to be filled by the Father. First, you can't fill something that is already full of everything else. And the vessel must be clean. Why would a loving parent, a loving father, why would he put something that is pure and clean and priceless. Why would he put something new like that in a container that was old and ratty and dirty and, and not disinfected, not sanctified? Why no good parent would do that to their child? So why do we ask God to give me a touch of the Holy Ghost, to give me a blessing tonight? And God say, just give me a chance. If you're ready, I am able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you're even asking or thinking right now. And we say, well, it's mostly clean. It's just a little sin. It's just a white lie. That was a really long time ago. It doesn't really matter. They forgot. He didn't and you didn't. There's residue. There's residue. The worst thing is when we ask God to pour out his spirit, the Bible says there will be living water that will flow out of your belly. But in order for it to flow into your belly, you got to clean it because it doesn't matter. How many can testify with me tonight that God can pour out new and fresh anointing in your life? And before you get to the parking lot, if you haven't repented and cleaned out everything, it doesn't matter how saturated you are with the Holy Spirit. That is tarnished and tinged and fear and that little bitty sin starts to creep in and corrupt something that was once pure and holy. Sometimes it's the little sins that are limiting the greatest miracles. It doesn't matter how pure the substance is, it'll be tainted. That's why in Acts 2 it says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. The only sin that God cannot forgive is unrepented sin. You want to limit repentance? You want to limit the grace of God? Don't repent. That's the only sin that his blood on a cross cannot sanctify and remit. And this is not just the first time we're filled with his spirit. Paul said, I die daily before the Lord. I have to go back and I have to wash out the well. And too often the problem is we try to give God a pint-sized portion of our soul. And we want a palatial portion of his miraculous power. There is an epidemic in Christians today of cluttered souls, distractions, upside-down priorities that may not start as sin. They probably started out as a blessing. 
and they prevent the Spirit from filling our lives because our lives are already full. Hear me tonight. Apostolics, we are really good at dealing with the obvious sins. We are really bad with dealing with clutter. We're really, really bad at dealing with our stuff. And we're so filled up with a new job and a new career that we prayed and fasted for. We joined together in the church and God supplied the need. But then that becomes our God. And God is tired, sick and tired of competing with his blessing for the love of the people he blessed. Education, it's a great thing. It's a blessing. Students, do your best. Adult students that are returning certifications or graduate school or whatever your, your, your accomplishment and opportunity allows for you, do your best, but don't ever allow the stretching of the mind to replace the stretching of your soul. Don't ever allow your education to take over a mind of Christ. I love boats. I used to love to hunt. But if my boat keeps me out of church on Sunday, I know this isn't fun preaching, but if my blessing keeps me from the blesser, it is sin to me. Oh, I wish I had a few more amens in the house. I grew up an athlete. I played a lot of sports. But if God gave me the ability and the opportunity to have some fun, to grow with talent and ability in music and sports and education and career and family. Mom and dad, sometimes you pray for a son. You pray for a daughter. And as a pastor, I saw it so many times where that child became an idol in that home. That child ran that home. And they forgot, the mom and dad forgot who gave them that child. Who trusted them to lead that child to Sunday church, to Wednesday, to children's ministry, to youth prayer? Oh, don't clam up on me right now. Am I in the book? God is tired of competing. I'm preaching to the church right now. What in your life is a hindrance? that may not have been a sin when it was blessed to you. Whatever just popped into your head, don't think about it. That's it. Whatever just, boop, you're going to try and talk yourself out of it in the next 10 minutes. And God is saying, that's the thing. That's it. Right there. Your first inclination is usually the most honest one. Can I get a big, arousing, loud, faithful amen to let this preacher know you hear the word right now? Amen. Then I'll move on. You just shortened this sermon by at least 20 minutes. Ask yourself, am I giving first-rate priority to second-rate causes while God gets the leftovers? God help us. Why do we let the junk in so easy? Simple. Because we're not full of him. If the vessel is overflowing, there's no room for the junk to get in. There's no room for your family to feel the weight and corruption of sin and distraction. Because when I'm overflowing with new and fresh anointing, when I leave an altar or a prayer meeting, I leave a Sunday night service and God is abundant in my life. I don't have to worry about anything else because there's no room for anything else. There's no other priority in my life. Would you say yes, Lord? Hebrews 10 and 17 says he forgets sins and lawless deeds. God distinguished between sin and deeds that went against his law. It was from the lack of spiritual discipline. And what occupies your heart? What occupies your mind? What fills your soul? 1 John 4 and 12 says, tell us that God wants to live in us with his love. And it is brought to full expression. Everybody say, in us. Not just around us, but in us. 
We can't know the full love of God if we are full of the love for the things that are outside of God. Clutter can be just as detrimental to a new and fresh anointing, to a spirit outpouring as sin can be. Because Hebrews 12 says, weights and sins that so easily doth beset us. If we fill up our life with all the other stuff and deny God's purpose for our life, it may not be sin that's hindering you tonight. It may be stuff. And if we allow stuff to clutter the dwelling place of God, it then becomes a sin to us. Because the Bible tells me that nothing can separate the love of God from me except me. So what can separate my love from God because nothing will keep his love from me. Oh, God, bless us. God, heal us. God, keep us. God, lead us. God, save us. And God is looking down upon the porch of heaven wondering why we are asking what we are not ready to receive. His grace is sufficient, but is your vessel sanctified tonight? This time of prayer and fasting is going to get the church ready so that the outpouring of the oil doesn't ever have to cease. And when you start a spiritual habit, keep after it. Keep moving. Keep going. Don't contain it, but let it flow. Let it flow. Let it pour out. See, the only hope, hear me, I'm almost finished. The only hope of the enemy is to attack the vessel. Dirty the vessel. Clutter the vessel. Clutter the soul. Because the enemy knows he has no power over the oil. He has no power over the name. He has no authority over who chose the vessel. Who purposed the vessel, hear me. So the enemy will try everything in his power to tarnish the vessel so it cannot fulfill its God-ordained purpose. If the enemy can compromise your purpose, he doesn't have to defeat God's power. He's already won because God doesn't have a backup plan for the church. He ordained the church. He commissioned the children of God to go and teach and spread the saving gospel. And if the devil can come in and distract you from that, he's already won. But if we can make it up in our minds tonight, I'm not going to let anything stop me from God moving through me. I'm not going to allow anything to come into the doors of this church to hinder the vision that our pastors preached and the spirit of a loving God. I'm going to go and I'm going to reach a lost and dying world. But I've got to be prepared. I've got to be ready for what I'm asking God to do. How many want a revival in 2020? If that's the truth, stand up to your feet. If you have strength in your body, and I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I'm asking for revival. But now I'm asking for you to prepare the vessel for the revival. Because a collective church revival starts with individual revivals. Pray out loud to the Lord right now. Consecrate yourself to the Lord. Oh, God, help us. Prepare us. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What the enemy can't prevent is the unwavering truth that all we have to do is access the unlimited power of God by calling upon the name of Jesus. And every knee and every bow, everything has to bow. Every distraction must be removed. Every conflict of interest, every bit of confusion, all the stuff must go. You may be seated. Just one more moment. I only have three closings tonight. Consider this. 
I think we don't understand this or comprehend this enough. When Jesus was born on this earth, he was 100% man and 100% God. He was both God and man. What's amazing is that the Bible tells us that all the authority and all the power of God compressed, condensed to fit inside an earthen vessel just like you and I. Everything, all authority, all power fit in one man by the name of Jesus. What we forget sometimes as vessels is that when Jesus left this earth, he called us to replace his role on this earth. And I wonder sometimes if we don't realize that the reason God manifests in the flesh of one man so that one man, one woman, one child, one elder could realize that the same power that compressed to fit in the body of Jesus Christ has been ordained to flow into your body and to you as a vessel. You have the same authority when you speak the name of Jesus and you are saturated and overflowing with that same spirit. It's not a different spirit. It's not a different calling. If anything, it's a greater calling that Jesus had upon this earth because there's more vessels to reach than Jesus had to reach. Do you realize do you realize how powerful you are when you allow the Holy Ghost to flow over your life? Virtue flows out of his body. Virtue flows out of your body because you are a vessel of the same spirit. Say amen if you believe that. When Jesus was finally crucified, the enemy thought he had finally won. He thought the victory was at hand because the spirit of death overcame the flesh. How disappointing it must have been for the enemy to get his big fat hopes up and be so very disappointed that death had no power over the spirit that was in the body of one man. Jesus didn't say when he died on the cross, I am finished. He said, it is finished. What was it? It was every limitation. It was every sin. It was every burden. It was every debt. It was every regret. It was every bit of shame that would be in our life. He said, it is finished. You have no power devil over the vessel because death has been overwhelmed by life through the power of his spirit. Would you get a boldness inside of you and know that you cannot be hindered unless you allow yourself to be hindered. He has no power over you. He has no authority over you. He has nothing. Whatever comes against you God raises up a standard. The victory never was to be by might, nor by the power of the flesh. But the Lord proclaimed victory was by my spirit. Jesus walking this earth, sacrificing his flesh, was preparation for an outpouring. It was paving the way for his glory to be honored in chosen vessels just like you. And after Jesus was crucified, the Bible tells us that his spirit was poured out upon all flesh. As I'm closing, the musicians would help me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. It says with a challenging tone, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God himself and who you are not on your own for you were bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are 
God. But let me ask you this night, whether it be during this time of preaching, whether it be during your time of prayer last night, whether it be in the service this morning, or whether it be when the choir was rocking out and the Holy Ghost was flowing free in this place. When the anointing of the Holy Ghost falls in this place, the glory of God is all around us. Does it flow in you or does it just splash around you? I don't just want to get wet. I want living water to flow through my life. I don't just want to feel God. I want to be filled with God. All of me for all of you. Can we stand all across this place? We need to determine that no hidden sin, no habit, no clutter on my calendar, no wrong attitude, no area of my life will separate me from the outpouring, the new and fresh anointing, the Spirit of Almighty God. Because nothing can separate me from the love of God but me. But me. Right now, determine in your soul right now as we stand together that nothing will stand between you and the anointing of God. Nothing. 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 I don't love anything more than I love you, God. New and fresh anointing is available in this place. But God is looking down at you saying, I just need a prepared vessel. Jesus borrowed the tomb from Joseph of Arimathea for three days. It was called a borrowed tomb because he wasn't planning on staying there very long. But he purchased you. He bought you with a price, with his own life, because his plan, his ordained promise, is not that he goes into you for resurrection power and vacates the tomb, the vessel. His plan for you is that for an eternity of eternities, forever and amen, he will live in my soul forever and ever and ever. And as long as I'm willing, he is able. As long as I allow it, his spirit will flow freely through me because he loves me. The miracle just needs a vessel tonight. So I'm asking you, I'm asking every one of you, this is a specific altar call for a very general audience. And I want you to think very, very carefully. But I want everybody in this place to respond to this call. Would you do that? Would you say amen? I want us to pray together right now, every hand lifted, every voice raised, every eye closed. And I want those things, maybe it's just that one thing, that is competing for your love, competing for your time, competing for your attention, competing for your, comp your consecration. That one thing, perhaps it was a blessing, maybe it's a subtle sin, maybe it's a long-term sin. I want us to repent right now, and I want you, as soon as you recognize what that one thing is, and everybody under the sound of my voice is a sinner saved by grace. The enemy has gone after each and every one of us. I want you to grab a hold of that thing. Symbolically, I want you to lift it to the heavens. And I want you to walk down to this altar. And I want you to sling it down on this altar. And say, God, nothing will come between me and you. Because I need to be a willing vessel. Because I need new and fresh anointing. Because I need a revival in my spirit. Every person, move out of your seat right now. And I want you to pray out loud about that one thing. If you're a business owner and God's blessed that business, I want you to put the keys to the business on the altar. If it's your phone, young person, that competes for your soul, put your phone on the altar. 
I want us to not allow anything to compete. And when we have repented of all the clutter and all the sin and all the stuff, there's going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit and new and fresh anointing is going to flow over every vessel in this house. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Let the Lord know, God, I'm available. God, I'm available. God, I'm going to start this year out consecrating myself to you. In Jesus' name, no hindrance, no busyness, no temptation. Oh, God. I need you. I need you, Lord. Like I've never needed you before. And you said you're ready. Let me make myself ready. Every voice lifted. Every heart open. Every hand open to the heavens right now as a sign of release. Jesus, here I am.